Welcome to the Configure Price Code podcast. My name is Frank Sohn and I'm the founder of NoCPQ Consulting. This podcast is 100% focused on Configure Price Quote, also known as CPQ, and will provide you useful insights into this topic. My guest today is Andrew Daly. Andrew is a managing director at MGI Research and has a wealth of business experience that he gained in over 20 years of working with technology and financial services. Before he co-founded MGI Research in 2008, he advised Fortune 500 clients, served as the Senior Vice President of Product Marketing for Bahn, spent eight years with Gardner where he received multiple awards for his research and he has lectured at the University of Chicago, UCLA and the Charles University in Prague. He lives in the San Francisco Bay Area and we are very happy to have him today. Andrew, welcome to the CPQ Podcast. Thanks, Frank. Andrew, I must tell you, you have worked in a lot of impressive roles and environments, right? So, uh, but my first question is regarding your, uh, you being a four-time NCAA All-American in tennis. That, that's unique. Never had that before. Tell us a little bit more about that, please. I was, <laughs> that's funny. I was uh, very fortunate to be able to play college tennis at the Division three level, it should be noted, uh, for a little school outside of uh, outside of Philadelphia called Swarthmore College. And at the time, uh, it was really a, a wonderful experience because it was very good academics, and we essentially played a Division One tennis schedule. So it was an opportunity to uh, compete uh, around the East Coast and even on the West Coast. And in fact, where I live today is thanks in part to, uh, to an annual spring break trip that the uh, tennis team would take to Northern California and, and Southern California. And uh, so I discovered Marin County and the San Francisco Bay Area thanks thanks to tennis. So Excellent. Love it. And I have to tell our European listeners who are not familiar with the Division One, Two, and Three uh, kind of sports. So in, in the U.S., if you go to a college, it's first, first of all, it's hard to get into any college with sports, right? So if you do that, that's already an achievement. So the highest achievement you can get is Division One, the second highest Division Two, the third highest Division Three. And I can tell you more about this, Andrew, because my son and his friends, they are 15 years old, play basketball. They talk so much about it. So I catch a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's, uh, I think that was very interesting. But let's talk a little bit about what you did before you co-founded MGI Research. You mentioned, for example, Bond. So that's a company that, that was around, was pretty cool, but that was 20 years ago. You spent eight, eight years there. Tell us a little bit more what you did before you co-founded MGI Research. Well, I, spent, I started my career at, a, at the time what was a small company called Gartner Group, and I was very fortunate there to work with Gideon Gartner and a number of other of the folks that were around at that time. I spent some of the time uh, with the team that actually dreamt, dreamt up the concept of ERP, or Enterprise Resource Planning. So I got to see the and really participate in, at the ground level, the whole evolution of uh, an entire industry uh, change as companies went from the systems that they had previously to adopting the ERP model through the 1990s. Uh, so that was a big part of what I did at Gartner and, uh, and heading up their, their enterprise applications coverage in EMEA. I also co-founded their software asset management service, which was really a, 
a deal service helping large companies negotiate uh, sizable software contracts. So that was also a, a way to see inside the the real economics of the software industry and also to learn at a very base level all the ins and outs of uh, software licensing, license models, and uh, deal structures, which I think is particularly relevant today when you look at the SaaS model that's become prevalent and um, how people think about paying for and consuming software and digital services today. And why was this small niche area CPQ interesting for you? Well, it's interesting for two reasons. The first is when I was at Bond, uh, at the time we had three or four at least uh, configurators. So the company was very uh, innovative and visionary at, at that time in having not only a product configurator and arguably still one of the best industrial product configurators built into the MRP engine, uh, but also had sales configurators that they had come to through a, a series of acquisitions. And I was actually involved in acquiring a, a specialized configurator for the steel and wire industry. So part of my interest in CPQ stems from past uh, professional experience. And then I think today, the interest uh, in particular at MGI is that we view CPQ as a critical element uh, of an agile monetization platform and really a, an essential ingredient to any organization that wants to consider themselves being a digital, uh, a digital enterprise. And what was the deciding factor for you to found MGI Research in 2008? Because you already had some very senior positions, so you must have some entrepreneurial spirit to, to do that, I guess. I think it was really the opportunity to work with a couple individuals, my co-founders, that I have a tremendous amount of respect for and just love working with. And so that was part of it, I think. Another part of it was the opportunity uh, and kind of the itch to rethink and maybe reinvent a little bit the uh, industry analyst and research business. And so I think it was that combination of the, the opportunity to work with some great people and uh, an opportunity to, to do things a little differently. And the CPQ market is really large. There are over 100 uh, CPQ vendors that offer solutions. And how many do you meet? And when you meet with them, you meet mostly remote or you meet face-to-face? -face? We try to, as I'm sure you do, we try to avoid airplanes uh, as much as possible. <laughs> so, uh, and thankfully, technology has advanced sufficiently that uh, you can do a lot over the phone and over Zoom and, and other meeting technologies. So, We meet with over 200 companies, 200 suppliers annually, and that's through industry events, through phone calls and web meetings, uh, and through very, very specific briefings uh, and sessions with them. So it's a large number, I agree. It's a big space, just CPQ, and when you look at the broader monetization space, it's even bigger. Yeah, and I want to ask you a question about monetize as well, but I hold on a little bit before we do that. As uh, I wanted to know, you have a lot of experience. You have done uh, many things. Who do you turn to typically to learn more about 
configure price quote or configure price quote related topics these days. Are there any thought leaders that you would want to mention here? That's a great question. I There are a number. First, I think uh, it's always, from my point of view, it's always most interesting to talk to practitioners in the field, in particular in industries where CPQ is such a critical element of the business. Uh, so anyone in manufacturing and even in some of the services spaces, insurance, financial services, uh, where configuration and quoting is, is such an, uh, an essential ingredient to the business and really a, a, a core differentiator. So I think number one is talking to real users is where, where we learn the most. But I think in addition to that, it's talking to uh, folks that are in the professional services space, whether it's implementation consultants uh, who have their hands involved in a lot of different projects, to talking to CTOs of various suppliers, uh, talking to a lot of the startups, because I think that's where a lot of the, the innovation and thought leadership really comes from at, at the ground level. And, and finally... Not to not to blow sunshine, but Frank, it's 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 interacting with you and and uh, a lot of the great content that you have. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Now, can you tell us in a couple of sentences what products and services MGI Research offers and who you work with? We're an independent research and advisory business, and I really stress the independent piece. It's not pay to play research. Uh, it's not white paper for hire research. It's truly independent. And we have built a quant-based research methodology. So we score vendors on a score of 1 to 100. It's a very tough scale. I don't think any company has broken 80 on our scale. So you can imagine the conversations we have with CEOs who've never received uh, any grade in their life lower than an A+. And we try to explain to them that a score of 47 on our scale is actually respectable. <laughs> so we, we take a quant-based approach to our research, and we serve three types of clients. The largest portion of our client base are mid- to large-size user organizations. Uh, the second piece of our business is working with technology suppliers, typically CEOs, CFOs, heads of marketing. And then we have a third piece of our business which is selling research uh, and some specialized products to institutional investors. Great. You mentioned earlier that you are independent. That is different from the large industry analyst firms, right? And how should customers expect to see that difference? I think the differences are, one, uh, we bring a, a, a deeply experienced team to each and every one of our clients. So, Everyone on our team brings 25-plus years of industry expertise. So, for example, Jim Mendelson, who's one of my co-founders, he started the sell-side software research coverage at Morgan Stanley. His first boss at, at Morgan was actually Ben Rosen, who was uh, one of the founders of Compaq and then Lotus. Uh, so you, you get a sense of the, the history that, that the individuals bring. So one is the experience that's different. The second is our quant-based model. 
which really takes as much of the human opinion out of the equation as we can. Obviously, there's still some judgment involved, but it's a quant model, so it's easy to understand, and you can see how does supplier A versus supplier B compare at a very discrete level. And the third is that we really try to differentiate the services that we deliver for a user organization versus what we deliver to a to a supplier uh, and 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 those from a from an investor because they really are have three distinct sets of requirements even some of even though some of the research and the analysis is applicable to to all three it's how we deliver that to each one I think is a little different one thing I want to ask for here specifically is your total addressable market share because I know that's something that's very interesting to a lot of CPQ vendors and you have very uh, impressive numbers there. I think there are 35,000 companies roughly covered in there. Tell us a little bit more about what, what that is. Well, so this goes back to one of your earlier questions, which is when we started the firm, one, we wanted to take this quant. Uh, quantitative approach to to our research and the second is we want to do things differently and when it comes to market size estimates we very specifically took an approach which is different than how the traditional analyst firms do it so the traditional analyst firms go around to each one of the suppliers and say whisper in my ear tell me what your revenue figure is And they add up that number. They then add, you know, say maybe another 10% because they don't talk to everyone. Uh, and then they put some type of growth factor on that, and that's your, your forecast. So a very top-down approach. We decided to make it a bottoms-up approach. And so, as you mentioned, we built a database of approximately 35,000 publicly listed companies in the world We curated that database by industry, by geography, uh, made sure that you had the financial non-operating entities taken out of it. You put companies that are domiciled in the Caymans uh, into their proper geography, uh, et cetera. And so what that then gives you is a base from which you can go in uh, industry by industry, country by country, And at the company level and say, what is this company spending on a particular type of, of software or IT product or service? And so specifically in CPQ, it gives you the ability to then say, here's what the spending on CPQ product is uh, by company, by industry, by geography, globally. And it's a pretty good proxy given that we have of the companies that are in the database, it's about 65% of global GDP. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good proxy for what total spending is. And, it, and like I said, it gives you the ability to go down at the company level and take a look at, at what people are doing. Learn more about CPQ today. We have two offerings you probably want to know about. First, we have a free resource, our CPQ Circle Community, which offers CPQ knowledge, CPQ-specific industry knowledge, and CPQ-specific best practices, as well as CPQ job opportunities. 
leading CPQ firms, system integrators, thought leaders, customers, and researchers add content here. Check it out today at www.novocpq.com. Go to resources and then select CPQ Circle Community. Second, we have a paid monthly subscription that keeps you up to date with the global CPQ market. If you are a CPQ vendor, system integrator, or a large customer with multiple CPQ systems, you don't want to miss this. Go to www.novocpq.com, look for services, and select subscriptions to learn more. I think you're offering around total addressable market shares. Very interesting and can only recommend that CPQ vendors check it out. Now, I have a question, a CPQ question for you. How important are product configuration capabilities these days? I think it's become even more important uh, than ever. And I think that's why it's coming, if you, it's coming back into vogue, if you will. Um, and the reason for that is when you look at what do, what do companies want at the highest level, they want revenue acceleration and they want to reduce friction in their business. And when you look at what's the simplest way to, to drive revenue, price is obviously one of the clear levers. And when you talk about reducing friction, a critical part of that story is looking at everything from the quoting process or even before quoting all the way through to your your financial disclosures. If you think about it in a, in an elongated quote-to-cash process or prospect to disclosure, as we, we like to think about it, um, CPQ is a, is a critical part of that. And as, and as I mentioned, I think we think... CPQ really is uh, an essential to any organization that wants to consider themselves a, a digital enterprise. And when we talk about or look at uh, pricing capabilities, what do you consider and the customers you talk to consider most important and most interesting, right? So there are sales optimization, price management, analytics. What is from your point of view most interesting? Well, first of all, I think where the technology and where the solutions are versus where the where the users are, I think there's a big gap. The suppliers like to talk about things like uh, AI and ML, all the sexy new things. And at the practical level, when you go into most organizations and say just simply who owns the price book, there's not always a very clear answer to something as simple as that. So I think when you look at what's most important around pricing, I think if all of it is interesting. I think it's a question of how do you put it in the context of an individual organization and help them start to take advantage of what's, what's possible today. You know, the, the analogy I use is that if you had a, a Palm Pilot sitting on your desk people would walk by and they would have a really good laugh about that old Palm Pilot. But when you look inside most mid to large size organizations, their business processes, including pricing, uh, and the systems that support those processes are typically the same vintage as that 1998 Palm 5 Palm Pilot. 
And so for all the hype that the consulting class and everyone else talks about in terms of AI, ML, big data, data lakes, you can go on and on. Uh, the reality is most organizations have a lot of work to do just to catch up to 2019. Now, I would fully agree. I mean, it's uh, always interesting to talk about these topics to see what's coming down the pipe. When you look really at the practical level, there's typically much simpler or, or yeah, simpler things that need to be addressed first. Absolutely agree. Now, one thing which is also very interesting almost for every customer is how how they can integrate into existing system architectures, right? So you're not starting from scratch. There's already an ERP system there. There's already a CRM system in there. How important is that for the customers that you talk to? So it's funny and a little ironic, having been part of the crew that dreamt up ERP, I think most organizations need to get away from what I would call ERP think in an ERP mentality. There was a point in time when that had, a, that had an important role in the organization. But today, when you look at how individual systems are architected and, and larger environments can be, can be stitched together, they're completely different than the ERP architecture and rigid process models that were developed in the 1990s. And so architecturally, what we see is that the more progressive companies are really reinvesting in enterprise architecture and architecting their own environment independent of any single product or solution or vendor. And so whereas in the past you would make a, a decision around an ERP vendor, so you'd say, I'm I'm going all in with, say, SAP or Oracle or Bon or what, what have you. And by default, you made a whole set of architectural choices by going down that path. Today, we have the ability to architect uh, systems at a much, much more granular level. And so the really thoughtful companies that, that we see are really looking at it At a, at, a, at a process and a capability level and looking at either, in some cases, building their own capabilities, taking a product off the shelf and uh, complementing or augmenting that product, or taking a set of products and integrating those because the integration technologies have become so much easier. And uh, so I, I think the, the approach, first of all, has got to be away from what we did in the past, you know, based around what was defined by these large ERP solutions and needs to be at a, at a, at a completely different level of, of integration. Makes sense. Excellent. Now, you mentioned earlier that you also work with venture capitalists and private equity firms, potentially. What do you think they, these guys should know about CPQ solutions? So first of all, this is a large, just the CPQ market is a large space. So if you look at that opportunity just over the next five years, that's a, that's a market that has a five-year TAM in excess of, of $10 billion. And when you look at the amount of spending on services on that, there's a multiple on top of that. So this is a large, vibrant market 
it's going to see a, a considerable amount of spending going forward. That's number one. Number two, the space has been underinvested in for at least 10 years, really longer than that. And so there's an opportunity to build one or more uh, billion-dollar-plus companies in this space. So I think the most important thing is, A, it's a big market, and B, they're there could be some very large, very interesting companies that come out of out of this space. And I think that's a great piece of information, what you just mentioned. Let's dig a little bit deeper on this. As CPQ firms like Salesforce, Aptos, Oracle, SAP, and many others add more and more capabilities, do you think these new firms would only need to offer the same capabilities, or do they need to develop some game changers? I think when you look at what are the areas of opportunity, there's so many. If you look at the, if you just pull apart CPQ and say there's a C, there's a P, and a Q, you could make an argument that the P space is relatively underinvested and has a huge opportunity to reach the, the, the broader market. If you look at how quickly Amazon changes their prices, doing it on a almost by the minute kind of basis versus where's the average company and their ability to roll out new pricing, let alone optimizing that pricing, that's a massive, massive opportunity. So you could just look within CPQ. I think there's some interesting opportunities. I think you're seeing uh, a lot of interesting new innovation coming out, coming out in the area of visual configuration and, and everything to do with visualization. So I, there's a lot of room to innovate here. Oh, I would fully agree. I mean, it, it, it's a broad field, right? So, and I, I'm, I'm really interested to see with all the, the vendors that are on the market right now, where they go and if, if there are new entrants in there as well. Now, I mentioned a little bit earlier that you have an event uh, every year. I think it's monetized. And I think if I'm not mistaken, it is in the US as well as in Europe. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this monetized event and uh, the, the next time you, you have that. So we've been running events focused on the, the, the area, the topic topics associated with monetization. We call the, the conference Monetize. Uh, we just had Monetize 12 in April in San Francisco. So we'll be doing Monetize 13 in Amsterdam, I think in March, don't quote me, but I think it's the first week of March, and we'll be doing Monetize 14 in San Francisco, it uh, looks like in, in late April in 2020. And it's really, we intentionally keep the events relatively small and really try to bring together the thought leaders in the space to have a conversation Uh, not a sales pitch, but a conversation around what's the art of the possible and what are the areas where, where organizations are getting the most traction and the most benefit, uh, be it in CPQ or any of the other domains that, that we include in, in agile monetization. Excellent. And I'm not sure if that's a good question right now, but uh, are there any, uh, which, which people come to these events? Is that CPQ vendors? Is that customers? Is that... Uh, anyone you can or want to mention? <laughs> yes, uh, all of the above. As much as possible, we try to uh, balance the agenda across 
presentations from MGI. Everyone obviously wants to, to hear our ratings and, and uh, some of the market forecasts and kind of the, our thoughts about where things are going over the next three to five years. But I think equally or maybe even more importantly is we put clients on stage and have them talk about, so mid to large size companies talking about what are they doing uh, internally uh, to reduce friction, accelerate revenues, et cetera. And then we also bring in uh, some of the innovators and thought leaders out of the vendor community. So it's usually a pretty good mix of uh, across topics within CPQ and across the, the, the broader monetization space and a good mix of different size companies uh, from different industries. So we, we get everyone from uh, folks in the publishing industry like Kaplan, for example, to somebody like an Atlassian or an Adobe, who are, you know, leaders in the in the technology world. Andrew, it would be great if we could go on for quite some time because I think it's a fascinating discussion. But we're coming at the end of this podcast, so after thirty minutes, so uh, hence my question: What's a good way for interested listeners if they want to learn more about the topics that you mentioned? How can they get a hold of you? Uh, certainly, they can reach out. To us, uh, send us an email, mgi at mgiresearch.com, or uh, you can find us through the phone or the interwebs, and uh, we'll, we'll do our best to help. Excellent. Andrew, thank you very much for taking the time to do this interview. It was very helpful. Thanks, Frank. It's a real pleasure. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and hope you learned something interesting today. If you like the podcast, please go ahead and rate it on iTunes or share it with your friends and colleagues. In the meantime, you can find us online at www.novocpq.com. So long, everyone. <laughs>